Good morning. Uh, thank you for having us. My name is Benjamin, my wife Jody, and our kids uh, Eliana, Abigail, and Andrew. Um, it's been a long time since we've been here. I think I think 2016. I think we we're just starting to hope to start planning on maybe making a trip up in 2020, and then of course the world kind of went a little crazy. Uh, so I'm very informal, so please, you'd make me feel more comfortable, because it's kind of awkward being up here. If you had a question, just ask if I'm not explaining something correctly. Uh, so our ministry here with Off-Grid Tech is, um, let's see, yes, awesome. We uh, work at Off-Grid Tech, which is the ministry of Ethnos 360, okay? And it's kind of a, a support ministry, so we're here to support missionaries and now you at North Goodland have partnered with us. And so the things I'm going to be highlighting today is the impact that you guys are having around the world, okay? And, and how we're helping to get the gospel out. Because that is the goal of Off-Grid Tech. That should be all of our goals is to, to glorify God and to make his name known amongst all people. And so, so that's what we're going to do. Now you're going to find here that I'm not a gifted Bible teacher, Okay? And you're going to find that gifted Bible teachers are often not gifted mechanics or engineers or, or solar electric people. So that's how we come and support them. So the, the, the Ethnos 360, I don't know, you guys support so many missionaries that, that their goal is to go to the unreached people group. So they're usually out in the middle of nowhere. And they're going to learn the language and disciple and plant a church. And because of that, they do need some electricity. Um, we tried to, to work with each missionary, and I'll cover that there. So that's our goal at Off-Grid Tech is to, to um, help those missionaries live in those remote locations and to continue them focused on ministry rather than the toughness of living there. Because it is challenging living there. Um, Jody and I did spend three and a half years in, or she spent more than that, in Africa. That's where I met her. So you single people, if you want to meet your future spouse, go to the mission field. Or not. You'll find them here in Michigan, too. Okay, so uh, the, the, the best way to describe off-grid tech is with the acronym TECH. And so the first part of that is teaching. So we teach three different courses to missionaries. The first is we have all of the, it's at the training center for ethnos missionaries. So after the Bible school, they come to us for two years to learn how to do church planning, uh, 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 Bible translation, linguistics, all this crazy stuff that I barely passed that course. My wife, she passed the linguistics course, not me. Again, God gifts us each differently, and we can use those gifts in different ways. Okay, and so the teaching we teach, first we teach the 40-hour course, and that teaches all kinds of basic electricity. What is electricity? Why do I care? Because we do need our missionaries to have a basic understanding, because they, they are their own power company. And so that they've got to, I mean, we pay people to run these power lines and to run the power plants, and they know what they're doing. And so they have to have a basic understanding to keep, to keep in the tribe. And the second part is equipping. So we're going to get the equipment to the missionary. We're going to help them choose the best equipment. Most of the time, this involves us working with them and designing the system from the ground up. And I'm going to require them to tell me how many lights, fans, refrigerators they use and how often they use them and what time of day. 
It's a lot of information because I need to know how many solar panels and batteries they need. So each system is custom tailored to the missionary's needs. We have default systems, but they're customized to their needs. And then we're going to get that equipment, buy it. We, we buy in wholesale because we buy so much. We've got distributorships with a lot of the good companies, and so we're able to pass those price savings on to the missionaries to reduce their cost as much as possible and get equipment that we know is reliable. We don't want to send something halfway around the world at work for three weeks and it breaks. We had a missionary in Senegal, and they purchased stuff from a local Senegalese company, and it worked for three hours. So, yeah, we, that's not, not the goal here. So then finally, the, uh, consulting. So this is us emailing and phone calls and WhatsApp and sometimes Facebook, unfortunately, back and forth with the missionaries to solve problems and to discuss things and to design the systems. and to. So all this is free of charge to the missionary. Okay, we don't charge them for any of this stuff. So they got a problem. We're going to work with them and get it fixed. Uh, and if it can't be fixed, unless they need equipment, we'll get the equipment mailed to them. Sometimes we use DHL and get it there fast. Other times it's six months on a boat. And then finally, the last part is helping. And this is actually going and doing the installs for the missionary. Now, most missionary families do the installation themselves, okay, because we have our systems very simple. All the wires are labeled. And we have instructions this far off the ground, put it here. All, we try to include all the screws. We try to include everything they need because there's no Home Depots in the middle of the jungle, right? So it's supposed to be very simple, and they install it themselves. Now, for the larger systems, we'll work with different ministries and different organizations. So I'd say about 60% of the people we work with are not Ethnos 360, be it Independent Missions, Wycliffe, SIL. I think we've worked with over 300 different organizations. Anyone whose doctrine is close enough to ours, we're going to push them to get the gospel out. Okay, so... Uh, this helping is where we actually go and do the installs. And I'm going to highlight this a little bit more at the end. Okay. Again, this is you guys partnering with us. So these ministries that I'm highlighting, they're due to your faithful support. Okay. This, so again, most of this, this is a typical missionary home. And, and again, as I said, most of what we do is with the individual missionaries and we'll design the system with them and then send the right equipment. This is our main system box. It's got all the wires and fuses and bells and whistles. It's been calculated and engineered to work as opposed to just throwing something on the wall and see when it works. Okay. So this ministry I'd like to highlight is the one, oh man, Wantiga, Jody. Okay. They're in Papua New Guinea and three families, they were actually at the training center with us, I believe in 2014, those three families. And two of the guys actually worked at Off Grid Tech. One guy helped us with videos and the other guy, um, because we actually do videos of our installs so people can even follow those and make it even easier. the other guy helped us with uh, manufacturing, and so we par- they partner with us, we partner with them. So when they went to Papua New Guinea, we worked with them and designed their solar electric system with them. And, of course, they were doing house building, and they had the, the, I think they had teams come that helped them build houses. In Papua New Guinea, the walls are like woven walls. They, like, take wooden mats or something and weave it together. I don't know. I've never been to Papua New Guinea. Not yet. And, um, and so... And now I got off track. So they ordered from us, and they've been there for eight years now. And I think they've only had, I looked in the emails when I was getting this together. We've only worked with them a few times. The systems just work straight for eight years, providing them electricity and refrigeration and everything like that. So that's our goal is that they haven't had to focus on that. Instead, what do you think they've been focusing on? Planting the church. 
And they've, they, this has just been an awesome work. These, these families have suffered a lot. There's been a lot of health issues and, and things, but they've persevered through. And, and God has, has honored that and glorified. He, he's been glorified through this situation, and they have planted the church amongst these people. My understanding is this is a very challenging language, and, but they've, it's amazing. I don't think I couldn't do that, the things that, that these missionaries have done. And they planted that church, and the goal is with this church it will continue to grow, and that this church will now go reach other people, other tribes, other people in the same language or similar language groups. That's the goal is that the church continues to reproduce, right? And so um, it's a great work to highlight. So this is one of the larger projects now here. This is um, with Transworld Radio in West Africa. You guys have heard of Transworld Radio? Some people have, some haven't. Okay, yes. So they do Christian radio broadcasts all over the world. And this is actually AM. They have two AM stations at this site in, well, I'm not supposed to say what country it's in. They have security issues in this country. A lot of Muslims, and, and uh, they had to evacuate some of the area. So in West Africa, they have two large AM transmitters, 2,000 watt and 50,000 watt. One of them is directional, and the other is non-directional. And it's they did a bunch of weird math to make it directional, too. It was, it was funky. Um, and, and so they contacted us a few years ago, and we worked with them to build a solar electric system that would work during the daytime, because they transmit at night. AM radio works best at night. And so during the daytime, they didn't want to have to run their diesel generators to power the, um, the, the offices and the studio and stuff. And so we worked with them on that. And then again, I was there in 2000, uh, 2021, and we did an upgrade on that system to uh, allow this to work better. And they were having actually some problems with the solar interfering with the transmitter. And so we worked through that issue. That was, that was a lot of challenge. You see, those guys are expert at radio, but didn't know much about solar. So this is the body of Christ partnering together and, and, and getting more things out. I don't have a clock. I hope I'm going fast enough. You guys don't want to go over right here. <laughs> this is another work that you guys have partnered with. This is a Mission Go. They're in Sierra Leone, and they have a hospital and a church. You guys might have seen a video on this group. Yeah, they have a hospital and a church and a school, and they were running diesel generators in that hospital, and it was diesel generators are not super reliable if you're running on them 24-7 unless you spend, like, mega bucks on them. Um, so we worked with them and designed the solar electric system and then came and did the install in 2021. And um, uh, they're continued to ministry there. And get, they had an issue, I think, six, eight months ago. And we emailed and worked through that issue and got them fixed and back up. So it's been re working pretty well for them, reliable there. Uh, that's, the, that's the solar and solar for Mission Go there in Sierra Leone still. Okay, this is Emmaus University in Haiti. You guys have partnered with them too. Okay, Emmaus is university. I'm going to actually try to read this because I really... Oh, I didn't write it down here. Their goal is to, to create Christ-like leaders, and that's how they, their goal is to change Haiti. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Haiti doesn't actually have a government now. I think I read six months ago the last senator was out of office, and they killed their president off. I'm sorry, they. Somebody killed their president a few years ago. And they, ha they have no government at all. I don't think there's, like, no federal. So it's pretty chaotic there. It's quite dangerous in a lot of the cities. Um, this area, I think they did close down their campus for a while, but I understand that Emmaus is back in session, and they are continuing. I think they have about 200 students, and they're just doing discipling, and they have, they're accredited. 
university, so these students can actually get an accredited education. It's a high-quality education. They have a lot of uh, Haitians that are very well. Man, I went and talked when I was there last time, talked to this guy, and he was just brilliant biblical guy talking about things back and forth. Uh, a Haitian, it, w- it was really great talking to them and, and seeing the, the heart for the people and the ministry they have. And, and their goal is to change Haiti by creating Christ-like leaders. So they want them to be leaders not only in the church, but out in the world, in government, in business. And, and, and you know, that's how they're hoping to, to change that nation is, is through, through that. Um, so we've worked with this, with Emmaus, for years now and upgraded their solar electric system several times. Um, in fact, I have a, 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 so I went there in 20, 2020, right during the middle of COVID and flew to Haiti, which was interesting. And... Um, uh, did an upgrade to their system so they can have uh, power. This is on their classroom building. It was getting really hot in there, and so they this upgrade allowed them to have air conditions in the afternoon uh, with these additional solar panels. It's actually very reasonably cost. I actually have a bid in with them I, to upgrade, I think, three or four different stages, and it was like $300,000 because they're wanting to expand the campus so much, and we needed additional batteries and stuff like that. So that's not going anywhere for a while. But we're continuing to work with them and support them. I think they called me nine months ago or so, and they're like, ah, it's not working. And so we video chatted again, because WhatsApp is like, WhatsApp is popular everywhere all over the world. It's like people really like that. Um, So we did that and video chatted with them, and we were able to get get things reset, and we had to redo the generator, and then they were back up and going. They were excited about that. Again, there's no Westerners over there right now. They have Westerners that come for three months to teach, but it's all run by Haitians. It's really good to see God's church, you know, missions isn't have to be about America going and saving people. You know, it's, it's, it's seeing that how God's working through so many people all around the world. And then finally, this is uh, in South Sudan, and this is with Indeed, Indeed and Truth Ministries, and they have a hospital. So we were there in 2019. If you look on our, I've got a video of us doing the install out there, uh, a time lapse, and you'll see we're only working in the morning. At about 10 o'clock, that roof was too hot to be on. So we were starting before the sun came up and stopping at about 10 and then working inside after that. But uh, this is in, in a, um, Indeed and Truth, and they have a hospital there. It's in a very remote part of South Sudan. South Sudan, I believe, is still the newest country in the world. It split off from Sudan in 2018, something like that. It hasn't been there very long. And so uh, it's still very worn-torn. In fact, the building we stayed in had bullet holes in it which is interesting, but uh, we're there to help uh, power the whole hospital, and this was a very large install. Um, we, we did the install, and it powers the whole hospital. They've called a few times for a few things. In fact, I was at my father-in-law's wake, and they called, and, and I was able to step off, and we had 45 minutes of video chatting, and we had to reprogram and rewire the inverters because they had one burned out from lightning. And so they got them back up and running, and they were excited about that uh, because they do use the, that to, for oxygen concentrators for the the preborn babies that those keep those they really think they really save a lot of lives that way by by uh, giving keeping those babies uh, oxygenated again engineer not doctor <laughs> that's not even a real world I think so I'm actually going back to South Sudan sometime the, we're waiting for the equipment to arrive we don't buy tickets until the equipment is on hand. At the location, not in the country, at the location, and it's been unpacked and counted for because we've been burned once. We got there, and the equipment was in customs for months. So uh, we're going back there, hopefully, and you guys are going back to South Sudan. Thanks for coming. And to, to continue to do an upgrade on that, 
and, and to do that. So, you know, the, the Lord is, is still working all over the world. You can see these all the different locations. God's working. And you can see here, this is a church. So when we first got there, if you look at the upper right-hand corner, that was the church that we were at uh, when, while we were there in 2019. It was just outdoors. Now, I've read recently, I guess a year or two ago, they built this new building on the left. And they've got, that's a, that's a church there, Calvary Chapel Tonj. Tong, 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 I'm saying that. See, not, not linguistics. So the church is growing. You see, they did baptisms. I believe that was on Easter. Uh, so God is, is working through this at this hospital. When the patient comes to see the doctor, after they've seen the doctor, they go and see a pastor. Because they're there not just to treat the physical symptoms, but the spiritual symptoms as well. They have medical outreaches where they go into the remote villages around this town and they, they teach about sanitation and things like that. And they also teach it the gospel. And they're there to spread the gospel and the love of Christ everywhere around. It's so encouraging to see the ministry they have there. There's so many challenges with, with it as well. Just as you guys know, ministry here in, in Michigan is challenging. So uh, as any good missionary, I always want to challenge people into missions. And so there's this great mission field I've heard of now. And I would like to send you guys there. You know, God has called us to each to different things. And as I said, I'm not a gifted Bible teacher and I'm not a doctor. God has gifted me in a certain area and I'm trying to serve him. God has gifted each of you in some area or given you a special reach into somebody's life. Be it a mother discipling their children. Be it at your workplace. Wherever God has called you, I encourage you just to show his love to those people around you. And I know you guys do that so much as it is. I see all the activities and events and, and, trying, and ministries that you guys are doing here. And it's so encouraging to see God bless you and keep the good work up. I know if you are considering foreign missions, Ethnos 360 is an option. Or if you just want to send your children to Bible school, Wisconsin's not very far away and their Bible school is very reasonably priced. Uh, I can't guarantee and they won't be, they, they're going to be, indo- I, they are going to be indoctrinated for overseas missions, but they'll also get a good uh, Bible education and uh, that's something to consider. Thank you. Thanks a lot, bud. Amen. Well, I do want to say again how much we appreciate having Ben and Jody with us. And uh, last summer, uh, our student ministry took a trip to uh, Wyumi up in Pennsylvania, and which is obviously a camp for Ethnos 360. And we had a couple of our uh, older students and uh, one college-age uh, individual that uh, heard about the Bible Institute. A lot of interest, a lot of interest in the Bible Institute. And so some are considering that even among our own student ministry and college-age kids. And so what a blessing it is to know that there are ministries that we can partner with that are doing global outreach for Christ, that people will come to know Christ. And so thank you guys for what you do. Uh, this morning, we are going to take just the last little bit of time that we have, and we are, which is awesome. I'm, I'm all good with that. I, I don't know if you heard me. I told him to keep going. So I was good with that. Um, but uh, if you guys want to open your Bibles this morning, we we'll go to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're actually going to finish uh, our series we've been going through now for, I believe this is the seventh week this morning. And so Hebrews chapter 10, uh, if you're using one of the Bibles provided, there are some Bibles in the seats there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, that is not a problem. There are some Bibles available. If you're using one of those, you can just turn to page 848. So if you're using one of the Bibles provided, page 848, Hebrews chapter 10. And again, we want to just dive into God's word this morning for just a few moments. 
and continue to answer this question, what is the church? Uh, We've been going now for many weeks about the church is this, the church is that. And our prayer is that by understanding what the church is and, and really who the church is, that will help us understand what the church is not. So as we understand what the church is, it'll help us understand what the church is not. And we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the church being the, bo- the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Uh, the church is family. The church is founded on Christ. The church is for Christ. And again, remember, primarily the church is not for us. Primarily the church is for Jesus. Amen? Uh, The church exists for Jesus, to honor him, to worship him, to praise him. Obviously, to study his word that we would grow closer to him. Now, in all of that, we're blessed and we are benefited by being a part of the church. Obviously, we are saved from our sins. We are redeemed and we are restored and we are set on a path for heaven to be used, as Ben said so well, for his glory so that the gospel would go forth. And I love what was talked about. Whether you are a gifted mechanic, engineer, your brain just works that way. Maybe some of you are more gifted writers. You love writing. We need solid biblical writers writing curriculum for Sunday school material, junior church material. We need people writing curriculum for universities and colleges. And if you are gifted that way, God can use you in tremendous ways. If you are gifted in carpentry, you just like to build things. These missionaries that when we were at Wyumi, they talked about this. These missionaries that are building these kind of Western type homes, a lot of times there's, there's people that come in and will do that work for them. And, and build these homes that are a little more stable for us Westerners or other people who aren't used to living in a hut. And so they want longevity. They want that house that's going to last a long time. And so there's all kinds of opportunities for you to serve. And as we do that, we are blessed and praise God that we get to be a part of his church. We understand that, yes, we receive blessings from being a part of the church. We receive a blessing from others in the church. But at its core, at its foundation, the church has to be for Jesus because he is the source or origin of the church. When the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church, that word head means source or origin. We draw everything we need from the head. And so as we wrap up this series, as I was kind of praying about what direction the Lord would have us to go, I really want to share just kind of an encouragement practically, an encouragement practically about the church Remember, our goal is to understand what is our calling as a church and how does that impact our world around us? And we've unpacked a lot of things with that. But as we do this, I want to kind of help us understand the practicality of the church as well. So to begin with, before we get to Hebrews 10, I want to share some key definitions that have been kind of given on behalf of the word church. Now, these are lengthy, some of them. And so if you're trying to take notes, I can just give you a copy of my notes if you would like that, if that helps you a little bit more instead of trying to write all this down. Uh, On our app, you can actually find uh, the sermon outline on our app, which is North Goodland BC in your app store. Go to media, sermon notes, and you'll find today's outline. But if you would like a copy of the notes, just reach out to me and let me know. I'd be more than willing to do that. But I want to read some real basic either definitions or just thoughts around this word for church. All right, so I'm going to give you kind of the reference and then we'll read what, what that ministry or that individual defines the word church as, and hopefully that'll help us understand our calling and purpose as the church as we gather together, which was part of our original desire to know what is our calling as we gather as the body of Christ, as well as what is our calling in the world. So from a ministry uh, desiring God, in one article that I was reading said this, the church is the regenerate people of God, saved by the power of God, 
for the purposes of God in this world. I love that. Simple, direct. The church is the regenerate people of God. Regenerate just means regeneration, that we are saved by grace through faith. The Spirit of God takes up residence in our heart and our lives, and we are regenerated. We are, if you want to use the word, restored, right? So that right standing with God. We are the regenerate people of God, saved by the power of God, not by our own morality or, or doing good things, but by the power of God, as Paul says in Romans 1.16, that that is why he's not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation to some who believe, no, to all who believe. And I love what Ben said. All people need to hear the gospel. Right? The gospel is not just a, an American message. It is a global message. What did the angel declare at the birth of Christ? This is good news for all people, for everyone to hear this. And so again, why are we saved? Why are we regenerated by the power of God? So that we might serve the purposes of God in this world. Not my purpose, not my wants or my desires or my pursuit of the American dream, but the pursuit of God's purpose in our life. And so let me encourage you, mom and dad, if you have a child, a grandchild, that's why I love keeping the kids in here to hear missionaries talk about the field. If you have a child or grandchild who comes to you and says, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, I feel like God is calling me to missions. Do not discourage that. I've heard stories about parents saying, well, there's not a lot of financial security in missions. Not a lot of safety in, in missions. You might go somewhere very dangerous and God might send you somewhere very dangerous. If you've not been paying attention, our world is not very safe for believers right now. Different degrees, different levels. Financial security. How many of people working normal jobs found out about financial security in 2008, 2020? Right? All of a sudden, those things are just taken away. So again, we don't discourage that call to missions. We encourage it. Why? Because that's how that young person is going to serve the purposes of God in this world. Some people go to work. Some people are lawyers, doctors, nurses, whatever it is. But some people are called by God to go and do missions full-time, not just missions as a doctor who happens to also be a missionary. So from Desiring God, I love that simple statement. Strong's, as in Strong's Concordance, says it this way. The church is a calling out that is concretely a popular meeting, especially a religious congregation on earth or saints in heaven or both. So it's the idea of this meeting together. It's this coming together is what Strong's points out. Thayer's theological work defines church as, quote, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. Now, I know we think religion is bad. The true definition of religion is actually very good. It just means we come and we worship God. We're laying bare before God. I know religion sounds bad in our world today. And there's even people that say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate religion. No, you love Jesus and you hate what's been portrayed as religion. It's not true religion, right? What is true religion? Undefiled before the Lord. To take care of the orphans, to take care of those that are in need, the widows, and to serve and worship Christ. And so that is true religion. So Thayer's points out, this is an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. Those who, and I love this, anywhere in a city or a village constitute such a company and are united into one body. We are the body of Christ. No matter where we gather locally, universally, we are the body of Christ if we know Christ. Vine's Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words. They point out and they look to the idea of assembly and congregation for church. In both definitions, the key is the emphasis on the gathering together. 
Charles Ryrie and his quite famous basic theology, which I recommend if you're looking for a a, a theology book that's written in layman's terms, which I like. Uh, Charles Ryrie's basic theology is a great read. He gives a very lengthy idea here, but basically he points out that the Greek word ekklesia, which is where we draw the idea of church from in some of the ways that church is translated, actually translates better to an assembly and originally was used in the political, not the religious sense. It was the idea of a political gathering that when they came together, they were a body to represent this or that point politically. However, when it's used to describe the church, it takes on a much fuller and deeper sense. The people themselves in regard to the church body is an ecclesia. So if they are assembled together or not, they are the assembly, the church. However, we must retain the meaning of the word, not so much as a called out assembly, which is true to a degree, but more of a called together assembly. This is why, honestly, one of the best English words for church or ecclesia is really more congregation than church. See, the church is not the building. We, the gathering of those who have been regenerate by the power and the purpose of God, are the church. And we gather in a location that we call the church. So while it is true that the church is not the building, the place we gather, but the congregation, the body of Christ... We cannot separate the two. We are the church body that gathers in real time in a real location for worship of Christ and edifying of one another. I love what one speaker said when he talks about separating the two. He said, it's like separating the bow from the violin. You can't do it if you want to have a masterful piece of music. Both are required. Yes, we are the body, the gathering of individual saints as the church, but we meet in a real time, real space gathering. So what does that look like? Quickly. Let's look at this quickly. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. This passage has been read many, many times. I'm sure the author of Hebrews here is writing to the believers to encourage them and specifically the gathering together. It says this, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holies holiest by the blood i'm sorry enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. I love the author of Hebrews puts that in there for us. A little clarifying moment. How is it that we can hold fast? Well, we hold fast without wavering because he is faithful. Not because we are faithful, because he is faithful. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what does this practically look like to be this gathering of believers? What does it look like to live out what Hebrews 10 speaks about? Well, in your notes there on the app, or if you're just taking notes, handwritten notes, really simple. The point is that we gather, first we emphasize to grow in Christ. We gather to grow in Christ. When we gather as the church, we do so to receive teaching, and preaching from God's word. 
We are strengthened in the reality that our hope is not in self, not in good works, but in Christ. That our hope for salvation is in Christ. It is assured to us through the precious and powerful blood of Christ. I love that we sang this morning, and I love Jeff's song as well, about the power of the blood of Christ to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us and wash our sins away. And here, the author of Hebrews makes it very clear that the only reason we even enter into the holiest of holies, the only reason we have a relationship with God, is through Christ's sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. So when we gather as the church and we want to grow in Christ, how do we grow in Christ without going to his word to hear of his desires? It's got to be founded on the word of God. We are washed and cleansed in Christ unto a new and living hope. Our culture, our flesh, our emotions do not rule over us. Christ has ushered us into the holy of holies. And we have an eternal relationship with God, peace with God because of Christ. And we need to remind each other of that position in Christ in a world that is full of heartbreak and tragedy. We strengthen one another in Christ through the preaching and teaching and encouragement of God's word so that when we go through trials and struggles in this life, we are able to endure those seasons. Why? Not because we're strong enough, but because we've been encouraged to know that he is faithful and that he keeps us in his grace. This growing in Christ is not merely intended also to encourage just us, but to flow out of us into the lives of others. We are assured of the sacrifice of Christ, and we will see the need to share the gospel with others. When we are assured of the gospel of Christ, we will be convicted and led and given opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with others. The closer we draw to Christ, the more we see the need for Christ. And we see it in the lives of our neighbors, our family members, our friends, our community. And it doesn't start with just getting up and preaching a sermon at them necessarily. It's building a relationship, to have a communication with them, to talk to them, to say, hey, listen, I just want to share with you how God has radically transformed my life and saved me from my sins. And he can do the same for you. You see, if our neighbors, or as, the, as Ben pointed out so clearly, maybe it's not just our neighbors. Maybe you're called to go overseas. Maybe you're called to go serve in a foreign field. Maybe you're called to serve in the States, but in so doing, serving missionaries all over the world, like what Off-Grid does. Whatever it is, and however God has called you and equipped you, the closer you draw to Christ, the closer your passion for Christ will grow, the more you'll see a need for missions, the more you'll see a need to share Christ. We grow in our knowledge of Christ to make Christ known. We don't just grow in our knowledge of Christ to gain all this head knowledge of the Bible and and scholarly wisdom, which is good. I I never want to make wisdom seem bad. It's always good to pursue biblical knowledge and biblical wisdom. But we don't do it just to impress our friends at Bible study that we know this or that bit of trivia. Like, who actually wrote the book of Romans? I'll just let that hang out there for a moment. Those of you that know the answer, don't answer it. Don't tell the person next to you who's like, wait, what? I'll give you a hint. I didn't say who authored the book of Romans. I said who wrote, who penned the actual words for the book of Romans. Let that just marinate. We don't just do that to kind of impress people. Okay. Some of you are like, are you going to tell us? No, I'm not. (laughs) It's in the book. Read the book of Romans. You'll find the answer. Okay. But we we don't gain this knowledge, just gain knowledge. Why do we want to know more about God and his word and Christ himself specific so that we can tell others about the fame of Christ? So others will come to know him. 
One of the reasons a lot of people don't ask questions in church is because they've asked questions and been told that's not an important question. That's not a valid question. Or I don't really know the answer, but rather than pursue God's word and get an answer, I'm just going to shut the person down and say, no, don't worry about that. Just believe. There's nothing wrong with pursuing wisdom and knowledge, and we need to do that so we can have conversations. And when teenagers or young people say, hey, I heard this, and you're telling me that, those don't go together, how do I know the truth? We don't dismiss that. We pursue wisdom of Christ. Why? So that Christ will be known. We don't just dismiss it. So we grow in Christ. Why do we gather to grow in Christ? We gather not only to grow in Christ, we also gather to be strengthened in fellowship to be strengthened in fellowship. Now, fellowship in the church, according to 1 John's epistle, or First John, the epistle that John wrote, especially even like chapter one talks about this. We, we come together in fellowship, not over a common interest. It's not like some of you have an interest in a certain sports team or some of you have a shared hobby with someone else and you get together and you talk about that hobby and you have fellowship over that and we'll call it that. But biblical fellowship is so much deeper than just getting together and talking about a shared interest. There's just a shared commonality as far as a, a hobby that you enjoy. Those are good things to do, but it's deeper than that. It's coming together in the person and finished work of the gospel so we might encourage each other in Christ specifically in our Christian walk. That's fellowship. Now, I know you're thinking, but preacher, this is a Baptist church. There's got to be food somewhere in that equation. Of course, we're fine with that. Have that great biblical fellowship over some brisket. I'm good with that. I'm cool with that. That's fine. I think, I think it does. Personally, I believe it does increase or, or help that relationship to grow. Just my own opinion. Whenever there's barbecue, the relationship's always going to grow. I just feel that. But this fellowship is so much deeper than just a casual common interest in something. It's a, it's a common salvation that we share. And we speak to that and we encourage that. So when I talk about fellowship, it's not just about coming together for food and a time of fun. And that's fine. But it's deeper than that. So how do we do that? How do we strengthen one another in fellowship? Well, I'm going to give you quickly just a couple things. And you can jot them down or they're on the app there as well. So how do we strengthen each other in fellowship? By coming together, by gathering together. Well, we do it by reminding each other who and whose we are in Christ. We are strengthened in fellowship together by reminding each other who and whose we are in Christ. We are strengthened in fellowship by reminding each other that temporal trials we face will have a joyful end. That temporary trials that we face in this world, that we all will face, every single person in this room will face a trial or a difficult situation or a difficult season. And when we do experience those things, we come together as the body of Christ. Why? To encourage each other. Hey, listen, I know it's difficult now, but there's a joyful end that God is working out of this. He is producing something from this. There's no such thing as a wasted tragedy with God. The trials we go through will strengthen us in him and in our relationship one with another as we pray for each other, we encourage each other, but we remind each other there's a joyful end. We're strengthened in fellowship together by encouraging each other to grow and fight stagnation. Encouraging each other to grow and fight stagnation. What do I mean? Sometimes we just get coasting in Christianity, don't we? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. I've been there. 
You just start coasting through. You're just kind of stagnant. You're not declining per se. You're not advancing. You're just kind of there. Now, some would argue if you're not advancing for the kingdom of Christ, you're not growing in your walk with Christ, that you are in fact going backwards. But the reality is you're, at least you're just staying still. You're just getting stagnant. It's like a puddle that just has no new water coming into it and no water going out of it. It just starts to look gross, right? And let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever gone out to your driveway and seen a puddle and went, that looks delicious? Let me just scoop up a cup of that and just quench my thirst. Of course not. But the idea of stagnation, the idea of just getting kind of just coasting through and apathetic, how do we avoid that? How do we fight against that? By encouraging each other to fight against those things. By encouraging each other to walk with Christ and to be active in our walk with Christ. We also are strengthened in fellowship together by spending time in the lives of each other and in the church as a family. Spending time in the lives of one another. Growing in relationship day to day, not just on Sunday and Wednesday but growing in our lives with one another, living life together, if you will, but also growing in the life of the church family, just coming together. One of the most beautiful pictures of the church is this idea of mentorship, where older people are mentoring younger people. And I, I feel like so many places we're missing that in our world today, where, where the one generation is reaching back to the younger generation to encourage them and equip them. I feel like we do this with things like work ethics, things like morality, things like discipline and how you live and take care of your finances. That's happening. But when it comes to walking with Christ, there's not a lot of mentorship where an older person looks at a younger person and says, I don't, I don't agree with how you dress necessarily. I, I don't like that you wear jeans or you wear this or you wear that. But I'm going to look past that because it's more important that you're in the body of Christ, in the church, and how can I invest in you? How can I love on you? And how can I show you that this is worth it to follow Christ. We spend time in the lives of each other. Does this mean you got to spend every day with people in the church? Every single hour of every day? No, because you're probably going to start to really dislike each other. Just being real. You hang out with me 24-7, ask my wife, you're going to be like, mm, it's enough already. I'm kind of, I'm done. I'm good. But the point is, we just want to look for opportunities to invest in each other for the cause of Christ. And lastly, how do we really encourage strength in fellowship together? Reminding each other of our living hope, of our living hope. Here in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about this idea of assembling. Something of note, this is a different Greek word used to denote the assembling together and being encouraged here. This word is actually only used here and in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, speaking of the gathering of the church, the body of Christ, at the coming of Christ. And I love what one commentary says in regarding this specific gathering in Hebrews 10, this word for assembling. One commentary says this way, union is strength. Union is strength. Continual assembling together begat and foster love and give good opportunities for provoking to good works by exhorting one another. Even in the early church, uh, Father Ignatius, not Father, don't think, if you have a Catholic background, that's not what we mean by church father, meaning a church leader who kind of came on the scene following the lead of the apostles. But Ignatius wrote this, when you frequently and in numbers meet together, the powers of Satan are overthrown and his mischief is neutralized by your like-mindedness in the faith. You see, if you study the scriptures, you study all of church history, all the way to today, 
you find a common understanding that it is vital for the body of Christ to gather in real time, in real space, in a location to be the church. And in the last so many years, we've emphasized that we are the body, the body of Christ, that we are the church individually, and we are. And we can go and be the church in the community, be the church in your workplace. But so many people in American church have seen that as an excuse to not be the church in gathering together. And I'm, I'm telling you from scripture, from church history, that idea is foreign to the church. It is never encouraged in scripture. It is never even considered to be an option for the New Testament believer to potentially be a part of the church but not gather with the church. It, it doesn't even make sense to the writers of the New Testament. Because all it does is it handicaps and cripples us in our walk with Christ. The title for this message this morning, very, very simple. And I know that this may give different thoughts and emotions as, as Ben alluded to because of 2020. But I truly couldn't think of another way to say this. The church is essential. It's essential. It's vital. It's it's. It's needed. Whatever you want to say, whatever word you want to throw on there. I know the word essential, you got different views on it because of the lunacy that happened in 2020. But the church is essential. And by the way, when it says forsake not the assembling, it's not giving a little asterisk there that says only Sunday morning. That the implication is anytime the gathering occurs, you're present as much as possible because you will not forsake it as others do. In our church culture today, Sunday morning's given a lot of importance, a lot of preference. Sunday night, maybe a little more. Wednesday night, eh, not so much. This is where people go, well, preacher, but the Bible doesn't say you got to go to church on Wednesday. You got to go to church on Sunday night. I already went on Sunday morning, so I'm good. The Bible also says they went to church every single day. So if you really want to get biblical, that's really the model that we're seeing. Now, is it required to go to church to be a Christian? Absolutely not. But I've never, never, never met a Christian growing and active in their faith who avoided the church gathering. Well, preacher, you just don't know my walk with God. We, I do my own thing. I, I watch so-and-so on TV. Awesome. That's, hey, I'm all for that. There's so many good speakers and preachers that are on, on TV, that are online, a thousand times better Bible teacher than I am. Not even close. I mean, they're in a whole different stratosphere. Recently, Charles Stanley went home to be with the Lord. You want to talk about a Bible teacher? That man knew the word. And I pray that I will know a, a fifth and be able to do a fifth of what he did for Christ. But you think about that. You, that's fine. That's good. But where does that take the place of serving and ministering to the body of Christ to do these things we're just talking about sitting on your couch? Now, I understand things happen. People can't get out. There's situations that come up. That's why we do online. I understand. But as much as possible, what's the encouragement from the word of God? Do not forsake. Don't forget. Don't make of less importance the gathering. Do you know there are nearly 60 one another's in the New Testament? 60 one another's in the New Testament dealing with the importance of how we demonstrate the love we received from Christ to one another. When we make the gathering with the saints irregular or occasional, we are missing out on the opportunity to grow in Christ, strengthen one another, and be blessed. This series is meant to help us consider the purpose and place of the church in the world today. We understand that every church, every denomination, every actual body, like literal church gathering, has things they need to work on. We all do. Because as a church, we need to work on some things because individually we need to work on some things. There is no such thing as a perfect church, as we said before. 
But I do believe that when we gather, if we put Christ first, even with some of our issues and our hiccups and our differences of opinion and different things we struggle with, God will and does bless his church for his glory that we might serve the purposes of God in this age. And this is not to say that we are better than any church. We are not. This is not to say that we have it all figured out and other churches don't. We don't. But it is to say that our drive as a church will always be to be the church that we are called to be by the word of God for Christ and his glory, not what the world wants, not what the culture wants, not what other people want, but to be his church because the church is for Jesus. Let's pray and ask God to affirm these things in our hearts and minds as we have some time of invitation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, your guidance, and your direction. Lord, we thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for Ben and Jody and the kids being with us today. Lord, my prayer is that we as a church have been a blessing and will continue to be a blessing to them. That we as a church will continue to commit to pray for them, for strength and all the different things they're doing. Lord, just the teaching alone, the, 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 the hard labor going into preparing and prepping things so that these missionaries in the field, the church planners and Bible translators, can translate the word of God into that language, that that people group will know the gospel, not because it's just told to them, but because they can read it for themselves. But those missionaries in the field can't do the translation work without a support staff. A support staff like Ben and Jody, who are here in the States, doing so much to make sure that they have all that they need. And Father, as we think about that, we think about just the heritage that's represented before us in this, in this family. Lord, we think about Ron and Debbie Abrams. And we think about the ministry and the impact that they left in the world. Working tirelessly among the Buddhist people in Senegal, West Africa. And Lord, we see that passion passed down to this generation. And so we thank you, Lord, so much for that heritage. We thank you so much for the legacy that was left that has continued on in missions today. And so, Father, again, we pray that you would just bless this time of invitation, Lord. Help us, Lord, as the body of Christ to see how you're calling us to make a difference in the world around us, to make an impact for the cause of Christ. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are in us. And, Father, I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room that is feeling led to missions, whether local missions, stateside, maybe they're feeling called to be a missionary in their school, some kids have got a week left of school, Maybe they're going to take advantage of this week and they're going to say, Lord, I'm going to share Christ with somebody this week. Lord, maybe there's somebody here that is working or involved in an area of influence where they can use this next week to say, Lord, I'm going to start right now, right where I am to make a difference for Christ and share my faith. Just to demonstrate the love of Christ here, local. But Lord, maybe there's also somebody here that is willing to surrender to full-time ministry. To say, you know what, I don't know if it's a missionary for sure. Maybe it's preacher church planner, Bible translator. I don't know, but I just know I need to be in full-time ministry. Maybe they would come and just spend a moment in prayer here at the altar, bending their knee and saying, Lord, would you affirm this in my heart and mind? Would you open doors of opportunity? Would you give me wisdom and guidance? And Lord, maybe there's somebody here. It doesn't matter how young they are. Maybe there's one of the children or, or teenagers or even college age, or maybe there's somebody here that's later on in years that most people would say, well, you can't go to the mission field. You're in this age bracket. Lord, would you allow that not even to enter our minds? From the youngest to the oldest, we can be used by you if we surrender and are available. And so maybe there's somebody here that would come and pray and say, I, I need to get on the mission field. 
I need to do that. And so, Lord, give me opportunities. Give me open doors that I would pursue that. Stop making excuses. Stop making reasons that aren't really valid, that you could overcome those things, but just give me the boldness to step out and to surrender to full-time ministry, full-time missions. So, Lord, in all these things, we pray that you'd be glorified as you do the work of drawing. We pray ultimately, Lord, if somebody doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they would come to know you before they leave this place. They would trust in you for their salvation because it's in Christ alone that we are saved. Thank you, Father, again, for all that you're doing this morning. Thank you for your church. Thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning to encourage you and be encouraged. And, Father, again, we just pray that you would work in this midst, or in our midst, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we're lighting a song of invitation? Would you come if the Lord leads? How is he working on your heart or mind? How is he impressing on you? Whether they're in your seats or maybe want to come and pray and say, Lord, I'm called. I need to go. How is God moving? Would you respond as we sing?